0: Hello, friends. Welcome to the Maiden Voyage episode of No Bullshit Chiropractic, a chiropractic podcast that is a candid conversation about chiropractic care and alternative medicine. I'm your host, Dr. Paul Harris, and with me is my producer, Kim. Do you want to introduce yourself, Kim?
1: Yeah. Hey, everyone. So I am a good friend of Paul as well as a patient and have been super interested in learning more about the chiropractic uh, medicine practice and first episode yay this is exciting
0: yes it is a little little like heart racy but that's okay it's always fun so you have some questions that you've prepared for us to uh to get into and and start asking and start answering uh do you want to go ahead and take it away with those
1: absolutely so first question uh maybe a basic one but what is a chiropractor
0: It's a good one. It's one that a lot of chiropractors kind of struggle to answer, too, actually. Um, Best answer I could come up with for you right now is a chiropractor is a health and wellness practitioner who's trained to use their hands to treat neuromusculoskeletal disorders, um, which breaks out to mean we treat people's nerves, bones, muscles, joints with our hands in a way that doesn't require surgery or drugs.
1: So do you use just your hands like are there any other tools or like implements hand extenders anything like that that you use
0: that is also a good question um we are capable and allowed to use a lot of things it's kind of funny uh reading through That's a
1: little alarming actually. i know <laughs> right it
0: is it is um reading through the texas state's uh, administrative code as far as what our scope of practice is there's a, a tenant down at the bottom that basically says like oh and whatever else fits the scope of chiropractic in your opinion it's like wait what um but yes we uh we can use all kinds of tools um whether they are little spring-loaded um, manual adjusters called activators or whatever else, um, soft tissue tools, anything that helps us do something manually um, from outside the body. The biggest stipulations are we do not give any prescriptions as far as um, anything other than over-the-counter recommendations, and we don't do any incisive work. So we can't draw blood because those use uh, an incision needle and we can't do any kind of surgical procedure. Um, We can, however, do acupuncture and dry needling because those don't technically make an incision.
1: Interesting. So Mm -hmm. if I go to a chiropractor and they're like, we're going to do this procedure and it's going to require a scalpel, just run immediately.
0: Yeah, Uh, yeah, exactly. Um, That is definitely not what a chiropractor is able to or supposed to do. Um, and if they tell you like, oh, I'm, I'm licensed to do that in a different state. Cool. Maybe I can tell you that at least in the state of Texas, that doesn't fly.
1: So do I trust a chiropractor more if he's insured his hands?
0: That's a good question. And I don't know. (laughs) (laughs) I haven't met one who has, let's put it that way.
1: Maybe you can start a trend.
0: Right. Um, I do know a lot of us try to take care of our hands, especially like there's a reason that a lot of these tools exist and it's not because necessarily one tool does a different job than a different one. Um, you know, one that's shaped like a tongue depressor doesn't necessarily do anything different from the one that's shaped like brass knuckles, but they are easier on our hands. So it helps our longevity to be able to do the job longer.
1: Do you have any particular favorites, uh, tools that you use?
0: Yeah, absolutely. Right now, one of my favorites is a Hypervolt. Um, I love using a percussion massager to help deal with tight musculature before I have to deal with it with my hands. Um, I like using one by Rock Tape. They have uh, a set called Rock Blades that actually does look like brass knuckles. That's why I said it, but it's really ergonomic. So it requires very little additional force from me. It's pretty easy on my wrists and hands. um, So it means that I can help people for longer.
1: This is going to be like, I feel like we need a whole episode just about like hand self-care and people talk <laughs> yeah. about like skincare and like facials. And so, I feel like we need to do a whole episode on like how we can save our hands and what we can do for them. That's well, a stay idea. tuned. Stay tuned, everybody. That one might be, be coming up next.
0: Yeah, that's coming <laughs> in the pipeline soon. Yeah, for sure. So.
1: Well, how do these fit into, you know, the scope of your practice?
0: like I said, it's kind of open. Um, The scope of practice, especially in Texas, is a little bit less broad than some places and a lot more broad than others. Um, Right now, the way that the wording and the language works out is musculoskeletal and biomechanical. Um, And these are used to assist in the treatment of musculoskeletal and biomechanical conditions. They're not really directly mentioned. They're kind of uh, treated as auxiliaries um, or assistive aids for us to do the job.
1: Interesting. So when you say musculoskeletal and biomechanical, I think I know what those things mean, but I mean, along the lines of this is talking about like your joints and how you move, or is there something more specific to those terms?
0: Um, yes. And yes um, depending on who you ask. So the musculoskeletal part is just literally the muscular system and the skeletal system and how those interact, um, or any particular piece of them. There are a lot of things, especially in the skeletal system that we don't touch Um, but we're trained to find. So there's a lot of stuff like bone cancer. That's always a really big one that we keep an eye out for. Um, We ask a lot of questions about where we're supposed to, and we keep an eye out for strange findings on any of our physical examinations that we do for stuff that just doesn't fit the norm, um, especially bony things. And when we find those, then we send them out to where they're supposed to be. Uh, most of the muscular system stuff that we find, we can treat pretty quickly and pretty hands-on. But where we tend to do the best and diversify, or sorry, not diversify, um, differentiate ourselves the most, is the joints in the spine, especially.
1: I didn't know that. That's really interesting. It sounds like a chiropractor would be a really good member of somebody's, you know, existing care team. So they'd just be a really great addition and you know, an additional provider that would be able to look out for, you know, these very specific things that could be causing some of the issues you might have.
0: Mm -hmm. And in fact, there are a few positions that are becoming more and more common that do that. Um, And I think they're fantastic. They're part of integrated care teams where the chiropractor will be in the clinic. And um, one of the most common models that I've seen is people come in with like lower back pain to an urgent care clinic or something similar where they can walk in off the street and the urgent care doctor will take one look at the paperwork that says lower back pain and immediately just funnel it to the chiropractor. And the understanding is if it's not actually emergent, it's yours. If it is actually emergent, you're going to know that faster than we will.
1: That's really interesting. I didn't know that, but that's an exciting direction, I think. Um, mm-hmm. Cause you know, there's a lot of movement, especially in, I think, you know, the last 10 years or so in the wellness space. But I really like this, you know, addition as a member of a, of a care team. Um, I think it just adds a lot more, you know, authenticity to, to what you guys do.
0: Mm-hmm. I agree, very much so. Um, for the biomechanical part, a lot of what's written into our administrative code and our scope of practice is some of its old language, which is very difficult to understand, but it's also mixed in with a lot of very new language that I know is in the last five to 10 years um, that talks about improving the biomechanics of a joint or improving the biomechanics and global motion of a person or their body or whatever. Um, And that is a huge part of what we do. So the example is easiest to understand is the difference between treating a strain or treating the fact that someone can't bend forward without pain. Right. So biomechanically, we're treating your inability to bend forward.
1: So we're just wanting to try to keep people as
0: buttery as possible
1: as they start (laughs) getting older. Yes. Or in my case, you turn 30 and then your knees turn 65.
0: That's I hear that a lot. (laughs) I hear that a lot. I hear a lot of people say something along the lines of the check engine light turns on at 30. Yep. There you go. Pretty much.
1: Your knees go, your back go, and you also spend two days recovering from a hangover. It's super fun.
0: Mm -hmm. Welcome to the 25-year warranty you were given at birth. It has now expired.
1: (laughs) (laughs) Well, it sounds like you have a lot of passion for your career and your profession. So how did you decide that you wanted to pursue this?
0: I kind of realized that it uh, made a lot of sense for me. My family has been using chiropractors since before I was a thing, um, before I was born. My dad used chiropractors for a long time um, for neck and upper back pain and things like that. And my mother got in a car accident the week um, that she was supposed to get married to my father. And ended up seeing a chiropractor every day that week, and it helped her immensely with uh, whiplash and, and pain overall. So she was able to walk down the aisle and get married and go on her honeymoon and things. Um, so after that, they were, you know, if anything hurt growing up or when I did the inevitable stupid things to myself, um, didn't move the right way, picked up something heavy, et cetera, et cetera. Um, as a 15-year-old kid who's trying to be a show-off will do, they would just <laughs> drop me off the chiropractor and be like, okay, go get fixed go, go, go talk to them and tell them what you did, let them do the thing. And they would, I thought that was normal. Like I thought everybody had that. Um, it wasn't until after I was nearly finished with an associate's degree that I don't use at all um, and trying to figure <laughs> out what I was going to do with my life that well, I which I feel normal. like we
1: should pause here for a second and say, <laughs> so if you guys don't or haven't talked to Dr. Harris about this, he used to be a music major, at least that's how he started out. And I, knew I know you from high school and I know your mm-hmm. wife very well so uh, do you do you want to say a little bit more about that
0: sure um <laughs> <I got> my <laughs> first degree my associate's degree in music and audio engineering uh, those were the focuses so I was playing music I was writing music I was recording music um And I really enjoyed it, but I was really not good at it. And that's when I first realized that those two things are different. And having a passion does not mean you have a skill.
1: I mean, well, we'll see. I feel like we should (laughs) let the listeners listen to some of those Dr. Harris originals in in the podcast, and then we can let you guys vote on those skills.
0: Fair enough. But I did decide (laughs) that I, um, I wanted to do something different. I didn't want that lifestyle of playing late gigs and, um, having to constantly be looking for the next, you know, whatever's going to pay the bills, all those kind of things as a working musician or recording artist um, or recorder. Those are just tough positions and you have to have a lot of passion to make it work. Um, and you have to have a lot of passion for it to make it work day in and day out without feeling like work. And I realized I didn't have it. So I started looking around at other things to do and um, started asking questions, talked to the family chiropractor after I had a, uh, ACL surgery. And I started asking enough questions that he turned around to me while I was asking questions. And he said, if you have this much curiosity, why don't you just go tour the college? I was like, Oh, I can do that. Yeah. Cool. Okay. Um, so I went and I toured and I loved it and I signed up and the rest is history.
1: Well, there you go. You have the whole, you know, origin story of Delta V chiropractic.
0: <laughs> yeah, pretty much. That's how I got here. Uh, in a nutshell
1: do you feel like having you know an ear for you know audio engineering acoustics music has that informed your practice as a chiropractor in any way
0: only in that i don't necessarily approach problems the same way that some of my colleagues do um Even in school, when I was taking some of these courses, switching from music to science meant that I approached some of those courses, some of the chemistry courses and physics courses and things that we had to take as prereqs. I approached those with a different kind of problem-solving mindset than a lot of people who had been biology majors and you know, kinesiology majors. They would see a problem differently or approach it differently than I would, um, which I took as a strength. It meant that I could conceptualize things in my opinion, a way that was kind of outside the box.
1: That's super cool. Um, We love well-rounded people around here. So don't feel like you can't switch careers at any point in time because you never know something you started with can inform something you end with.
0: For sure.
1: All right, so switching gears a little bit, um, I know we kind of briefly talked about this in the planning for this episode, but I've heard there are a lot of interesting stories about the background of the chiropractic practice and how it got started, so I want to get into that a bit, so um, do you want to go into the origins of the chiropractic practice?
0: Sure, um, the factual part of it is there's a gentleman named D.D. Palmer who Coined the phrase chiropractic and founded the profession essentially, um, and from there things start to deviate. There are multiple stories of how that necessarily happened. There are multiple versions of the story, um, but the one that is usually credited as the origin story is that D.D. Palmer was um, a magnetic healer at the time, and there was a gentleman who was a janitor in the building named Harvey Lillard, um, and. According and when me. you
1: say magnetic, you don't mean like he had a magnetic personality. You no. mean like.
0: <laughs> <laughs> no, this would have been in the mid 1800s. Uh, so 1880, 1890, somewhere in that range um, was a magnetic healer with whatever methods were being used for magnetic healing at the time. Um, I really can't find a whole lot of information about it and they don't talk about it much. Um But regardless, that's what he was doing. And Harvey Lillard was a gentleman who was the janitor. And according to one account, um, D.D. Palmer looked over and decided that um, the base of his neck looked different somehow. The hump at the base of his neck looked, I don't know, out of place, improper. um, And he treated it with his hand. He pushed on it or, or shoved it, and it popped um, and up to that point, Harvey Lillard had been hard of hearing slash deaf, again, depending on the story. And the next day he came back and said that his hearing had returned. And so D.D. Palmer latched onto that and said, oh, there might be something here and started looking into it and led himself or found his way to chiropractic. Um, the other side of that story is from Harvey Lillard's um, children they said that the story is a little bit different that harvey and some gentlemen were outside of dd palmer's office and he was telling a joke um and dd palmer came out and wanted to hear the end of it because he missed the first part um and when he told the punchline dd palmer slapped him on the back with a a book in his hand and it adjusted his his back moved his (laughs) vertebra whatever um and maybe something improved uh and either way the event is documented the motivations behind it are muddier, but the event is documented that this thing happened, right? And that's what set him on the path of creating a practice that he called chiropractic, which meant to uh, to do by hand.
1: Can I just say, this story sounds terrifying, right? You're just, you know, you go to work one day, you encounter this person, and they're like, well, let me fix that for you. And they just like smack you <laughs> or push on something on your body.
0: I mean, yes. (laughs) At the time, you also have to keep in mind, um, knowing what we know now, most of modern medicine is terrifying. Like this is the same time when arsenic and castor oil were still considered valid medications that would be given by a physician, as well as bloodletting and leeches. Um, So there's a lot of stuff that's real freaky right about this time.
1: (sighs) I mean, unfortunately, I still think some people use leeches now.
0: Yes, but there's a lot more education. (laughs)
1: Yeah, one would hope these things would go away, but Right. So So under your, you know, you've gone through the years of training and all of that. You've heard the story. What do you think actually happened? So how did this guy go from being kind of hard of hearing to coming back the next day and saying, "Oh, I can hear," all of a sudden?
0: Honestly, Best guess that I would have out of the gate would be um, a eustachian tube. Um,
1: Hmm, Yeah.
0: So for people who don't have a whole lot of anatomical knowledge, eustachian tubes are the little uh, canal that runs in your ear um, that leads to where your eardrum is, right? And then from there up into the skull and the brain and all those kind of things. So it's this pathway pathway where sound waves can travel and it can get blocked by fluid or by wax or other things. Um, And it makes like a
1: crunchy noise in your ear.
0: Yeah, it's a fun spot. Um, At this time, I can't imagine that uh, Q-tips were really super widespread, (laughs) A, um, or used, B. So my best guess, honestly, would be that for whatever reason, He got jarred pretty hard um, and it knocked something loose that may have been there um, and or, you know, moved the eustachian tube. There are some documented cases where we can help with ear infections um, by helping to drain the eustachian tube.
1: Mm -hmm.
0: Um, If you can stretch it and or move it in the right way to reorient it with gravity, if it's plugged or if it's got some um, fluid stuck in there, you can get that to start moving. And if that had not happened previously, maybe. What's weird about that is you usually have to, you know, hold on to someone's ear to do that. Um, and I can't see him coming out of his office to listen to a joke and then slapping this guy on the back saying good joke and grabbing him by the ear and like yanking him around. Randomly. I mean,
1: it's possible that guy was like holding on to his ears and like fear of what was about to happen.
0: Yeah, I mean that is possible. <laughs> True. Right?
1: Maybe it was that like was, a nervous tick or something. <laughs>
0: Right. I mean, D.D. Palmer was a white guy. Harvey Lillard was a black guy. There, I have no idea what the <laughs> dynamic between the two of them was. There's a lot of possibilities and there's just not a lot of documentation from it. So um, I have no idea. <laughs>
1: Do you know much about Dee Palmer's career after this miraculous event occurred? Did he start seeing like one or two people? Cause this, you know, Harvey Lillard went around and was like, man, I can hear and my neck feels so much better. Uh,
0: yes and no. Um, we know what he has told us and we know what historically can be proven. Um, he did go on to write a lot of things about chiropractic he published books he started publishing pamphlets he started publishing papers um, not like a what we would consider like a, um, a scholarly paper but you know when people just go to a printer and print off a whole thing of papers and pass them out like a leaflet uh, he started publishing all these things and he opened his own chiropractic school which is why he's considered the father of chiropractic uh, he started teaching other people how to do this Um, That's got some debate to it as far as whether or not he was really responsible for it, because it was about a decade, 10 to 15 years after um, osteopaths had started to teach their method. Um, And it's very, very similar. And so there's a lot of people who think that in his uh, zeal to find out what he had done, he started looking around and found the stuff that they were teaching for osteopaths and changed some of it, maybe, Mm -hmm. um, but started teaching something extremely similar, but calling it chiropractic and saying, no, no, this one is mine. This is called chiropractic and it deals with something different, but the two are very, very, very similar, at least in their origins.
1: Yeah. That's super interesting. So my sister-in-law is actually a doctor of osteopathic medicine. And I remember When I went to visit her one year for Christmas, um, they were learning how to do adjustments. And so she was practicing on me, which was a little surprising.
0: Yeah, they, according to their scope of practice, can still do manual adjustments. That has never been taken out of their scope of practice. Fun fact, so can the MD down the street, even if they've never actually received extensive training. If they've taken a weekend course or whatever and been given a certification for it, they can just do it.
1: But probably like 10 out of 10 would not recommend.
0: Oh, highly. <laughs> I would not recommend. Um, there's a reason that we spend a lot of time learning how to do it and do it uh, well.
1: Yeah, I think, you know, in some of the later episodes, we'll get into some of the stories surrounding bad adjustments or, mm-hmm. you know, some of the press surrounding the chiropractic practice or people have had bad experiences, but as a note now, do not go to your family medicine doctor and get adjusted.
0: Yeah, no, that's probably not the right thing to do. And in fairness, most of them, if they're ethical, would not do so because it's not something that they feel comfortable doing. Um, so it's not a huge pandemic-wide problem, right? Uh, right? It's not something that's happening all over the place. But yeah, technically, they're allowed to code for anything at all. They that's just, wild. Yeah. That's wild. Mm-hmm.
1: Well, considering that, you know, steeped in myth history there, how has, you know, the practice evolved to what it is today?
0: Almost immediately after training some people, there started to be people who wanted to do more than what he was offering. Um, and that led to a split very quickly. So DD Palmer was a big fan of doing just this, um, which is interesting because he was a magnetic healer before, but he was an, an, a fan of just doing chiropractic for people, um, and he had a couple of students who wanted to do other things with it. They wanted to do naturopathic medicine. They wanted to do, um, you know, tinctures and 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 mixtures and those kind of things, um, and so there was a, a divergence between the two, and that has kind of continued um, over the years as technology has evolved. As research has evolved, as education has grown drastically um, and as medicine has grown drastically, because, again, at this time, they were a big fan of not using medication for things, not using medicine for things. I mean, your down the street physician may prescribe you whiskey for things right for hallucinations they would have you do whiskey or cocaine uh, you know there's I don't different, feel
1: like that uh, would help with, <laughs>
0: with right <that>. knowing <laughs> what we know now this seems like a bad idea um but at the time you know that was just that was what was commonly done and it wasn't regulated so it kind of makes sense that they were saying like oh let's not do quote unquote modern medicine let's let's stick to this this is a little safer which it probably was than some of these um, unregulated applications of who knows what, but um, they stuck to that ideology very, very, very strongly um, and called themselves a straight chiropractic or straight chiropractors. Um, and that is all that they will do. Whereas what they called a mixer um, was somebody who would add other things, mix other ingredients into their practice. So someone who as uh, nutritional supplements got to be a point where they were, you know, actually good quality things or things that you really would like to put into your body, they would add that into their practice. And that's not something you'll find in a straight chiropractor's practice Um, as physical therapy came into light and became a thing that people realized was important that got added into chiropractic practice for mixers, but for straight chiropractors, it did not and still has not. Um, And so on. So the integrated practice that we were talking about earlier, that really only occurs in people who are of the mixer mindset, um, who are interested in or willing to include other things in as a uh, whole body picture of not just Mm -hmm. the spine and joints, but like, hey, maybe you've got a thyroid issue and we really should have you talking to an endocrinologist, right? Mm -hmm. Um, Whereas straight chiropractors would say, no, we're just going to adjust you and let it fix itself. And that started, again, almost from the beginning. Um, I think it was a one-year program when he started it. When D.D. Palmer started teaching, it was a one-year degree, I believe. Um, And within just a couple of years of graduating the first class of students, somebody had split off and started their own school. So almost from the very, very beginning, you have these two divergent schools of thought.
1: Well, good for that person who split off. And also... Life lesson, if there's anybody who thinks that they know how to do everything and will never admit that there could be something else going on that they should refer you to, that person is probably not very good at what they do.
0: (laughs) Right? Yeah, no, one of the smartest things that I think we can do as healthcare providers is admit when we don't know what something is and you need to be seeing somebody else. Exactly. Mm Mm-hmm. Yeah, fully so
1: agree. If you walk in and you know, you encounter a chiropractor is like, "Oh sure, I can cure your, you know, thyroid issue with some magnets." Probably should run out of that practice too.
0: You know, and this this is the horrible part about the field is it's so lightly regulated in the administrative codes. Um that's a thing that exists. Oh wow. And yeah, that I, I don't know about magnets necessarily, but I know that there are chiropractors who make claims to go after things like thyroid issues, to go after things like cancer, to go after things like uh, hormone issues. And while there's a lot that you can do to affect some of those by making nutritional recommendations or dietary recommendations, um, it's still not something that I would necessarily advertise as treating so much as supporting as part of a treatment team that would be fair sure we can make plenty of recommendations for nutritional purposes and supplementation and things and lifestyle choices that you can do to help um mm. but it's not treating it it's not going to stop it by itself
1: so do you feel like there are any chiropractors now that still practice as you know in that straight style
0: oh absolutely there's a lot um in fact the schools in america <clears throat> are split uh almost in a thirds there's not a whole lot i believe the last time i checked there's 16 17 schools um and it's almost compartmentalized to like four eight and four there's like eight of them that'll teach roughly middle of the road they'll teach some of the historical philosophical type of uh chiropractic straight chiropractic and they'll also teach how to do things like make nutritional recommendations right which technically according to how things started way back when would be a mixer right? Um, But they'll still teach how to do some of that. And then there's schools that go the other end of the spectrum. And yes, they'll teach you how to adjust and everything, but they teach you from the beginning, how to be part of an integrated team,
1: Mm -hmm. um,
0: how to add in physical therapy, how to add in additional pain relief modalities. And then there's other schools that don't have any of that included in the curriculum, except what's necessary by the national board to get uh, a license.
1: Absolutely. I think it's pretty clear, which, you know, one we're pretty in support of here.
0: <laughs> yeah. Uh in, in case it's not, I'm a strong mixer, big fan of adding things in. I do a lot of uh rehab, a lot of active exercise, a lot of recommendations, lifestyle changes, um, mix quite a bit.
1: He's a really great doctor. You guys Thanks. should definitely go see him. I appreciate that. Not I every time you say it, this uh dd Palmer is a magnetic healer, I just think of like Magneto. And I was like, <laughs> I guess Magneto could have been a chiropractor. He uh, you decided know, to go some sort of benevolent route.
0: So could Homer Simpson, if you, you know, <laughs> pay attention to some of the Simpsons episodes, but I don't think it's a great idea. Yeah.
1: Know? yeah.
0: Um, but there's plenty of that. I know we're probably about to run out of time here. Um, so is there anything else you want to ask in the last minute or two?
1: No, I think we, we covered everything. We learned a lot about the background of chiropractic medicine and we've got, you know, good path of where we want to go forward.
0: Yeah, I agree. Fantastic. Um, Then we will call this episode done. Thank you guys for listening. And we will tune in with you next time to answer whatever other questions we come up with. Thanks so much.